Thank you for listening to Remnant Bible Fellowship. This is Brother Jonathan. Do all paths lead to God? Now, there are many ways to restate this question. Um, are all religions the same? Do all religions worship the same God? Does everybody go to heaven no matter what they believe? You know, except the really bad people like Hitler. The fact is, though, that many people assume that propositions or statements like these are true without ever really examining them or thinking them through. Most people accept these things as axiomatic or self-evident uh, without ever applying a healthy dose of skepticism. You know, college professor sits down and says, oh, look at how all of these religions have basically the same idea. You know, they all believe in a deity. They all say that this, this, this. Most people do not apply the same level of criticalness and skeptical analyzing to their own views as they do to opposing viewpoints. Uh, but if we were, if we care about what is true as opposed to just what makes us comfortable, then we must do that. We must examine our own views in light of logical reasoning, philosophy, evidence. If something, be it a worldview, religion, philosophy, if it is true, then it must bear witness to reality. For example, have you ever looked at a picture of Mount Rushmore? You know, the mountain in the USA that has the faces of four past presidents carved into it. Pretty good detail. Now, have you ever looked at a picture of that mountain or been there and seen it and immediately thought, wow, isn't it amazing that time plus matter plus chance resulted in such amazing likenesses of these men? No, you've never thought that. But in fact, if you believe in Darwinian evolution, then you believe that the actual heads and minds of those men is a result of time plus matter plus chance. You see what I mean? Exactly how much skepticism have you applied to your own views? How much time have you spent really thinking them through critically? But let's consider the question at hand. Do all paths lead to God? Do all religions end up at the same destination? Do they all worship the same God? Those kind of ideas all kind of wrapped up together. Well, let's consider it logically. I believe that most people agree with those statements because they really don't know what many religions believe. Let me contrast some of these beliefs really quick for you. Now, you don't have to write these notes. I'm going to read these pretty quickly just to illustrate something for you, okay? Um, what do religions believe about God? Well, Islam believes that there is one God, but no trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses deny the trinity, but believe Jesus is the angel Michael. Mormons believe in millions of gods because man grows up to be a god too. They just believe that there is one main god over our planet. Deists believe in a distant deity or force that has no intimate interaction with the world. Hinduism believes in millions of expressions of God. They don't believe in a personal knowable God, but simply that God is a mystical, impersonal force called Brahman. Atheism denies that any God exists anywhere at any time. Agnosticism is a veritable, I don't know, but they live like God doesn't exist. Uh, how about authority or revelation? Um, Islam believes the Quran and the Hadith, the sayings of Muhammad, that they weren't actually written, 
by Muhammad, the Hadith. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses created their own version of the Bible, which doesn't follow any of the original language manuscripts in existence. They also have magazines called Awake and the Watchtower, materials produced by the Watchtower Society, which are updated and changed as they need to. Mormons have multiple books written by their prophet Joseph Smith. They also have prophets that change things today as they see fit. Deists believe that this distant God has never revealed himself to mankind in any way. You have to think your way to God. But if God's never revealed himself, then how can you even think about him? Hindus accept the Vedas, Upanishads, Vedanta, and the epics, Ramayana, Mahabharata, are seen as scriptures. The Bhagavad Gita is often studied as a key text, and yes, these different sources do contradict each other. Atheism generally believes that man is the ultimate authority over himself. It's just, you know, his behavior that gets in the way. Agnosticism generally doesn't really acknowledge any authority, but what is pragmatically useful, really. Uh, what do they believe about man? Well, Islam believes that man is able to do good by himself, but that he still needs help. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that man is free to do good works. Um, he earns his own salvation, in essence. Mormons believe that men and women are the literal spiritual offspring, the literal spiritual offspring of Heavenly Father God, and that we are reborn on earth and need to reattain our godhood. Deists believe that man is a rational being who directs his own destiny. Hinduism believes that men are part of Brahman, that is their concept of God, individually as Atman. The physical reality doesn't exist and is a false distinction. You know, it doesn't really exist. All the stuff you see, taste, touch, smell, everything doesn't really exist. You just have to realize that you are part of God, Brahman. Atheism believes that man is simply a result of time plus matter plus chance. Given enough time, particles become people. Matter is, you know, man is just another animal no more valuable than pond scum or algae. There you go. Agnosticism generally believes the same as atheists. Sin. What does what some religions think about sin? Well, Islam believes that sin is breaking Allah's commandments, that but man is not necessarily born with sin. Je Jehovah's Witnesses believe that physical death forgives all your sins. You know, everybody goes to heaven. Mormons believe that sin is disobeying God and other commandments outside of the Bible. You know, they make them up pretty much every year, really. Deists believe that morals are relative and vary from person to person. There is no absolute morality. Hinduism vaguely identifies sin as bad deeds, though to them there is no absolute standard of right or wrong. Atheists hold that there is no absolute standard of right and wrong, but do not live that way. And when they do, they are Adolf Hitler. If there are no absolutes, why whine and complain if somebody stole your car, murdered your children, or raped your wife? If nothing is wrong, absolutely, you can't say that anything is wrong. It's not consistent with what they say and do. Agnostics believe as is pragmatically useful to them for whatever purpose. Um, what about salvation? Um, Islam believes that man can earn salvation by doing good works. If your good outweighs your bad, then you go to heaven. But there's no way to know this, though. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that you can earn your own salvation and that there is no eternal hell. So why really worry about it? Mormons believe that all people except Satan and the demons and apostate Mormons will inherit one of the three levels of glory in heaven. Again, so why worry about it? Some deists, deists believe in an afterlife and need of some kind of redemption, but not many. 
Hinduism believes that salvation is breaking the cycle of samsara and achieving oneness with Brahman. Atheists believe that man doesn't need any kind of redemption and that with enough education, money, and time, man can create his own heaven on earth. And this is, of course, why the world is getting better and better every day, notwithstanding all evidence to the contrary. Agnostics usually respond with an, I don't know. But live it so it's not true. Now, I can go on and on and on describing the beliefs of Wicca, Buddhism, Zoroastrianism, whatever. But the question you have to ask yourself is, can they all be true simultaneously? The only logical answer is no. Christianity and Islam cannot both be simultaneously true because Christians believe they only get to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Islam believes that you earn your way to heaven. They can't both simultaneously be true. Hinduism and Judaism cannot both be simultaneously true because Hinduism believes that there is no personal knowable God. Judaism believes that God is personal and knowable as well as Christians and, and Muslims. Atheism and any religion cannot be simultaneously true. Wicca and most other religions cannot be simultaneously true. New Ageism and Christianity, Islam, or Judaism cannot be simultaneously true. New Ageism and Hinduism teach that you are God, and Christianity, Islam, and Judaism believe that that belief sends you to hell. Zoroastrianism are dualists. Most other religions are not. The fact of the matter is that if you believe any religion or philosophy, then you exclude all others. People think that Christianity is the only exclusive religion. No, it's not. Because anytime you assert something, you deny the contrary. People think that some religions like Hinduism um, believe that all are true. That's false. Hinduism believes that everyone is part of Brahman, no matter what they believe. That's very different. That's just you get in anyways, even though you don't believe what they believe. That's not the same thing as saying all are true. You have to think logically. If I say the car is red and you say the car is not red, then we cannot both be right. But this is exactly what some people believe without reason or evidence. Religions say that God is this way or that way. That is a propositional statement. The contradictory one cannot be simultaneously true, not at least according to logic or science. To accept all is to deny all. The basic truth that you must understand is that if you accept all religions, then you must deny all of them simultaneously. If you accept naturalism, or the belief that all things are the result of natural processes, then you deny God's existence. If you accept the idea of there being a hell, then you deny any religion that denies um, hell. There can be no such thing as the coexist movement ideology without compromising every single religion's exclusive claim. And they are all exclusive. You ought rather to call it eradicate movement or compromise movement. Besides, we all do coexist because we all exist together right now on the same planet at the same time. That is the definition of coexisting. What those who care about, uh, what those who care about what is true cannot do, is affirm everything. And that's to abandon all reason. I'm sorry. That's not something that a rational person can do. That's not something that a scientific person can do. 
People want objective truth whenever they want something that matters to them, but they don't want it any other time whenever it bothers how they want to live. People want doctors to tell them, truly, do I have cancer or not, whenever the test comes back. They don't want him to be like, well, you do and you don't. It'll be fine in the end, no matter what. They want objective truth in that moment because it affects them. You can't pick and choose when these things matter to you. So the real question that you must ask yourself when you are confronted with the religion or philosophy is, is it true? Can you prove that? It's not about how you feel. Every time you are corrected about something, you're going to feel some kind of uneasiness. It's not going to be comfortable when you're corrected. It's not about what something is asking of you. If God exists, the implications of his existence affect not only your daily life, but your eternal destiny. You are going to spend a lot more time after you die than before you die. And nothing that you do in this world, nothing that you earn materially, not even necessarily your family or friends, are going to walk through death's door with you to accompany you. Is that bleak? It shouldn't be. Not if you've investigated the truth claims of those who believe that there is God. So how do you prove a religion is true or not? Well, I've done a three-part series on this in detail. If you want to look those episodes up, the episodes One Good Reason to Believe is the first part. The episode From God to God, in uh, quotations, is um, the second part. And Defending the Resurrection of Jesus is the third part. But let me sum it up here, though, this basic point of can you prove it. In all of human history, there was only a single religion that has set forth a single, objectively verifiable, historical event as the crux upon whether or not it is true. One. There's only one. Atheism can't even prove how everything came from nothing or how chaos led to the laws of physics. They want you to accept it by faith. That is without evidence. Islam says if you believe the Quran is pretty then that's what proves it. No joke. I'll give you the verse numbers if you ask me. Mormonism says that the Book of Mormon um, in the Book of Moroni, chapter 10, that if you feel a tingling in your bosom, then that proves it. That's it. That's completely subjective. I want something objectively verifiable if I'm going to commit myself to it. I'm a naturally skeptical person. Jesus of Nazareth said, I'm the Son of God. You have to repent of your sins and believe in me in order to be forgiven. I'm going to be crucified by the Gentiles and die. And on the third day afterwards, I'm going to rise bodily from the dead. Then you'll know that I am who I say I am. That's completely objectively verifiable historiographically. We can easily prove or disprove that. Some people reject the idea of resurrection a priori, that's before any investigation, because they've never seen or experienced it. That's a David Hume argument. Well, by that same logic, you shouldn't believe in any country that you've never been to either. You've never experienced it or seen it. Or you shouldn't believe in death altogether because you've never died before. So far, it's so good, you know. It's silliness. But among historical scholars, and I mean non-religious ones, I'm not talking about Christian scholars, I'm talking about actual secular historical scholars in the field of histori historiography. 
there are four historical facts that are almost unanimously agreed upon. Unanimously. I can give you sources for all of these. One, Jesus of Nazareth died under the reign of Pontius Pilate by crucifixion. Two, Jesus' disciples sincerely believed that he appeared to them bodily after his death. Three, the Jew who persecuted the Christians as evil, Saul of Tarsus, converted to Christianity after claiming that Jesus appeared to him post-death and changed his name to Paul and became one of the apostles. Four, Jesus' half-brother, James, who believed that Jesus was a false prophet who died for his own sins, suddenly became a Christian after the death of Jesus. He claimed that Jesus appeared to him. Now, there's a fifth point, and it's accepted by about 75% of historical scholarship as true. I want you to listen to this. The third day after Jesus was crucified, his tomb was empty. That's verifiable historically outside the Bible. All of these are attested by historical documents, eyewitness testimony, even by enemies of Christians in ancient times, all without even viewing the Bible as the inspired Word of God. Most people don't realize that. This isn't something that Christians believe just because the Bible said so. You set that aside, you can still prove this. Dr. Gary Habermas won a three-part debate with Anthony Flew, leading atheistic philosopher of the latter part of the 20th century, by doing that. He defended the resurrection of Jesus as a historical event without citing the Bible as the Word of God. And he won. The main body of historical scholarship, that is, those who operate in the academic field of historiography and have a degree in it, the main body does not question these points. There are people like Richard Carrier or Richard Dawkins, people who are speaking outside their field, who are on the fringe of academia who question these things, and they do it without any reason or evidence. They are only questioned by people speaking outside their fields and who don't know the data. So people say the disciples stole the body. No, the disciples really believed that Jesus appeared to them. We know that. If the body was stolen, then why was Saul of Tarsus converted? He said Jesus, he wasn't a sympathizer. He said Jesus appeared to him. Why was James converted? They separately and individually believed that Jesus appeared to them. Somebody else says, well, maybe somebody else stole the body. Well, then why was Paul converted? Why was James? Why did the disciples truly believe that he appeared to them? This, at best, only explains the empty tomb. But it was, that the tomb, it was not that the tomb was empty that anyone believed. Even in the Bible, you read the Gospels, when the tomb was empty and they found it empty, no one believed that Jesus rose. They thought that somebody stole the body. It was only after he appeared to people, showing the marks in his hands and feet, that they believed. Well, maybe they went to the wrong tomb, you know. Maybe they just mis made a mistake. Well, that doesn't account for the appearances to the disciples. His followers were not convinced by an empty tomb, but by appearances. Paul wouldn't have been converted then. He wasn't a sympathizer. He was an enemy of Christianity. James wouldn't have been converted then. He didn't believe. There is literally no source in history that puts forth that idea either. Besides, the tomb's location was known to many people. It was just outside the walls of Jerusalem. The religious leaders could have literally walked to the tomb and pointed and shown that he was still there. They could have paraded Jesus' body around the streets of Jerusalem. You walk through every single false theory of the, of the resurrection of Jesus, every single alternative, none of them stand up to any scrutiny. 
And in fact, in the 1800s and the 1700s, every single one of these points was debated, and you had scholars, all non-Christians, refuting all of these because other people were putting them forth and putting forth their own theory that was then also refuted. The only theory that has never actually been refuted that has explained the data is that Jesus actually rose from the dead, which validates every single thing that he said. Biblical Christianity is the only religion that can prove itself. Now, I'm not saying that that church on your corner is right, but Christianity as it is set forth in the Bible is absolutely proven. Like I said earlier, the implications of the existence of God affect not only your life today, now, but your eternity. Jesus said that we must repent of our sins, that is, acknowledge them and turn from them, and follow him because we believe that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. In closing, I will read the passage from Scripture that was written by the Apostle Paul in 55 AD. And scholars acknowledge that this passage is based on an early Christian confession um, that predates the Bible itself. From the time immediately following the resurrection of Jesus, about 33 to 34 AD. And this is what they believed. Um, Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Simon, then to the twelve, that's the apostles, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Some of them were still alive 20-something years later, people who had physically seen Jesus raised from the dead. But, but some have fallen asleep. Some of them had died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, Paul says. Jesus rose from the dead. He said, repent and follow him, and he would come and manifest himself to you. John 14, 21 through 23. What are you going to do about it? Thank you for listening to Remnant Bible Fellowship. We do hope and pray that you would commit your life to Christ and continue in Him. We desire to see people seeking Jesus Christ and coming to know Him personally. If you have questions about salvation, the Bible, or your own walk with Christ, please contact Brother Jonathan by email. Brother John, that's J-O-N, at remnantbiblefellowship.com. That's Brother John at remnantbiblefellowship.com.